Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up with you guys? Call Story here for the Fightful MMA and Boxing Podcast. You got, you guys know what time it is. Time to talk some boxing. I'm your lead boxing reporter, Carlos Toro, and we're here for, I guess, the third official re, uh, Fightful Boxing Podcast here in this relaunch of this uh, podcast that's near and dear to my heart. We've done a boxing podcast for a long time now, but we spent about 10 or so months without doing so and so we're i'm sort of rebranding relaunching the boxing podcast i'm your lead boxing reporter call store here i hope you guys had an awesome halloween a very safe and fun halloween i certainly just spent the night last night uh covering lucha underground's ultima lucha quattro which was a very very fun fun show and you can Read all about what happened in Ultima Lucha Quadro. Who lost their mask between Son of Havoc and Kill Shot? You can read all of that on FightfulWrestling.com. But we're not here to talk about wrestling. We are here to talk about boxing. And this is a very, very uh, eventful month, I should say, in boxing. Not just in boxing results, but in signings a couple of weeks ago when we did the last podcast it was canel alvarez making waves signing with the zone and now we got manny pacquiao signing with premier boxing champions as a reminder if you have any questions leave it in the live chat and i will answer any questions at the end of the show so anyone that has any questions could be about bot, could be about any of the current topic could be anything from the past or anything surrounding the sport that you're curious in let me know and i will answer at the end of the show if y'all have any questions so for those of you who don't know this has been in the works for quite some time but it was made official earlier this week manny pacquiao has signed a, a an exclusive deal i should say with premier boxing champions after pacquiao announced that he is no longer tied to bob arum and top rank promotions 
after his fight against Lucas Matisse. Back in July, Hacker beat Matisse rather dominantly to win the WBA regular welterweight title. And so now Pacquiao joins a roster that is littered with top welterweights. When you got Keith Thurman, Errol Spence Jr., uh, let's see, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, you got a lot of great welterweights signed to PBC. And this is a really, really big get for the company because they they have stars. That's not the issue. They have guys that the boxing community can gravitate towards to. You got guys like, Keith, as I mentioned, Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, Errol Spence, you know, all of those stars in the making. You got also in other divisions, you got guys like Leo Santa Cruz, Deontay Wilder, Gary Russell Jr., uh, off the top of my head, Abadu Jack, who fought on Showtime earlier this year for the WBC light heavyweight title. Lots of really good guys on PBC, but they didn't have that big, big superstar. They didn't have that one guy that, you know, that you can not only get the casual, but also get maybe people who aren't interested in boxing. When you ask people who aren't particularly boxing fans, they'll tell you, hey, you know, they, they don't may not know who Errol Spence Jr. is. They may not know who Sean Porter is, but they certainly do know who Manny Pacquiao is. Manny Pacquiao, during his prime, he was a big mainstream star. And now PBC finally has that. They have that, that public face they can slap onto when they're talking about the sh- new Showtime deal, when they're talking about the new Fox deals. And, it's, and we'll, we'll talk about the Fox card that was announced for the end of December in just a bit. But when Manny Pacquiao first kind of became a free agent, it was a very it was very interesting to see who would be in play. Certainly PBC was going to be in play what with all the welterweights they got in store. Uh Matchroom Boxing, they they were also in in the running because you know, matchroom boxing, they may not have the, the depth at welterweight that PBC has, really, and no one has the depth at welterweight that PBC does. And the closest you have is uh, top rank, but they only got Tennis Crawford, and you got a number of contenders, but that's really it contenders, not really champions or stars. Uh, but matchroom boxing did have Amir Khan, and that's always an interesting fight. Amir Khan versus Manny Pacquiao, sure, it's. You know, a few years, a little too late for some people, but a lot of people would still tune in to watch Amir Khan face off against Manny Pacquiao, but looking like that's not going to happen probably ever now. Now, Manny Pacquiao is with PBC. So now the question is, when's Manny Pacquiao going to fight? Well, it's January 19th in Las Vegas. They have not officially announced it, but interesting enough, very recently, uh, Adrian Broner, who is scheduled to be Manny Pacquiao's opponent for January, uh, was saying, uh, posted a picture on Instagram, training the, training in the ring, saying he's fighting Pacquiao on January 19 in Las Vegas. And although, listen, when it comes to your Broner, sometimes you take things with a grain of salt, so to speak. But in reality, you know, not, uh, what Broner is saying is nothing that we haven't heard already. It, we expected this to take place in mid-January in Las Vegas, and it's going to be on pay-per-view. It's that's an interesting that's an interesting choice because one would think that the most obvious pick would be to have uh, Manny Pacquiao fight on Fox. You know, do you have the you already have the big Fox deal? You got the budget to 
certainly pay Pacquiao to fight on free television, just as he did with ESPN last year, which that turned out to be phenomenal uh, success for the network. And that eventually led to the official announcement that Top Rank and ESPN would be working together for years and years to come. So why not on Fox? Well, there are a couple of reasons why the fight is not on Fox. First of all is the fact that because this fight is taking place in the United States, uh, some people may not know this, but Pacquiao does have a large, large debt to the RARS. We're talking millions and millions of dollars. And certain, you know, and when that's kind of part of the reason why Pacquiao hasn't fought in the U.S. since 2016 when he beat Jesse Vargas. He fought in Australia last year. He fought in Malaysia uh, back in July when he was facing Lucas Matisse. But really, when now Pacquiao's coming to the U.S., he probably is going to get gonna get a get a call so to speak so to speak by the R by the RRS and say hey we need that money we want that money that you owe us so when it comes to pay-per-view versus free television this is something some people may not understand is that while yes the sport would be far better off working uh working its biggest fights on free television that's without a question when it comes to pay-per-view, boxers stand to win a lot more by going to pay-per-view. When you have people paying $60, $70, to watch your show, and we're not talking about a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, we're talking about hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people paying that price, you do stand to win a lot more money. And while certainly Pack Fox again, PBC has the budget to pay back, yo. I think they want to kind of Start seeing how pay-per-view do, uh, works for PBC. If you notice, PBC doesn't do pay-per-views. Showtime doesn't do pay-per-views now unless it's with Floyd Mayweather. But now you have the December 1st pay-per-view from Los Angeles, which is Deontay Wilder versus Titan Fury. You have the rumored uh, early 2019 pay-per-view between Errol Spence Jr. and Mikey Garcia, which that's going to be a very, very fun fight to watch if it does get made and now you have january 19 potentially be a pay-per-view I, I think pbc with hbo being gone out of the boxing game pbc is looking to see if they can make some bank on pay-per-view side of the business we all know that you know unless hbo ru is running the, the pay-per-view broadcast there's not really much of a chance to really get to really get a high buy rate, but with HBO gone, I guess it's open season for anyone who wants to do pay-per-views. And really, when you look at it, uh, Pacquiao is still a draw. He's still one of the biggest stars in the sport. Is he? Are we expecting a million buys? Absolutely not. Not even close. But when you think about it, his ceiling—I mean, his floor—I should say, his floor was. 300,000 buys when he fought Jesse Vargas in 2016. And in a way, that was, you know, Pacquiao's star power kind of diminished just a little bit by that time. Pacquiao was coming off the loss to Floyd Mayweather in 2015. And really, a lot of people thought he was going, this was going to be at 2016 was just the end of Pacquiao's career, and he retired briefly, but then he came back, fought Jesse Vargas, and did about 3,000 buys on a pay-per-view on top rank with very, very little 
real promotion of the fight. Boxing fans were certainly going to buy it because it's Manny Pacquiao, but you didn't. But they never really did much to grab that mainstream audience. So because so so Jesse Vargas, the floor is three hundred thousand. Adrian Broner, for better or worse, you may not like Adrian Broner. You may not think he's you know he's a Hall of Famer, even though he's won titles in four different weight classes. You can have all your grievances with Adrian Broner. Fact of the matter is, Adrian Broner is one of the biggest draws in boxing, and we're taking out regional stars like uh, Jose Ramirez or Rodriguez Progress or and Errol Spence Jr. in Texas, when you are when you put Adrian Broner on any card in the U.S., it's going to draw. You know, matter of fact, is you're going to get tens of thousands of viewers, uh, of people paying to watch the fight live in whatever venue you're hosting it at. It did over 10,000, I believe, when he fought Jesse Vargas in April. And when you look at the television ratings numbers, Adrian Broner, you look at that top 10 in the last couple of years, Broner's got... A few of those spots in the top 10 most watched Showtime fights since 2017. So there is no doubt that Broner is a much better draw than Jesse Farkas. So the bottom line was 300,000 is the absolute lowest, is the low end of what we should expect for a pay-per-view. We might be getting, I certainly am expecting between 350 and 400,000 which is not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. It's not, it's no Terrence Crawford, Victor Pasta was not, didn't even break a hundred thousand. And, you know, Pacquiao, that's an interesting get for PBC. It's a really, really strong signing for PBC. Now they have the star. They have the roster depth. They have the dates with Fox and Showtime. It's just a matter of getting those stars out there. And that's been a common complaint with PBC for years is that they didn't get their top stars to fight enough times. Gary Russell Jr., the WBC featherweight champion, has has fought once a year since, I believe, 2015. Keith Thurman, he has not fought. Well, granted, it's been due to injury, but he hasn't fought in nearly two years by the time we his next fight happens, it would be almost exactly two years since he last fought. And, you know, when when Thurman was actually supposed to fight in May, back, I think he got injured in March. They still didn't have an opponent for him. They still didn't have a fight for him. So really, this they were playing it by the ear. They were they were, you know, biding their time. And really, that's not what PBC is supposed to do. They have the guys that can certainly fight two, three, four times a year. Guys that want to fight two, three, four times a year, not once a year. And now with Pacquiao, with the dates, with the budget, with the two networks, certainly this is going to be a, a fun time to watch PBC, to follow PBC, because, listen, that this boxing needs all the big stars they can get. They can, They certainly need the television dates and the television rights to be able to showcase those stars. And with Fox being on board for bigger, better boxing cards from PBC than what we've been getting for the last couple of years, which let's face it, it was a very, it's been lackluster to say the least. We're now getting championship fights on Fox. 
starting on December 22, Fox announced that they're broadcasting the December 22nd PVC card from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, in New York, my home away from home. Three fights on that card. Opening fight is a heavyweight fight between Dominic Brazil and Carlos Negron. Co-main event is Jermel Charla, the WBC junior middleweight champion, defending his title against Tony Harrison. And then you have the interim WBC middleweight champion, Jermel Charlo, facing off against Willie Monroe Jr. Now, let's get that out of the way. On paper, this is not a competitive card in terms of the fight. This is not a great card when it comes to how close these fights are on paper. All three fights of these all three fights on paper look like a complete mismatch. Willem Monroe Jr., while certainly he's not a bad middleweight, he's been a contender for years. Every time Willie Monroe has stepped up in competition, he's faced the elite. He's been severely outclassed. He was beaten for all 12 rounds against Billy Joe Saunders last year. And he did not look great when he fought Gennady Golovkin. So now, Willie Monroe Jr., so once again, the test, can Willie Monroe step up to the plate and fight in elite middleweight? Everyone the same? No, because there's nothing that Willie Monroe has shown us that can prove otherwise. And you got Tony Harrison, who, listen, Harrison's a nice fight. It's not terrible. When you look at Jermail Charlo and the fight he just had with Austin Trout, which was a fun, exciting, competitive fight that was very, very close. I, it was closer than I thought, uh, than I initially thought when I looked this fight on paper. This seems like a bit of a letdown. And for Dominic Brazil, this is a stay-busy fight for him, going up against Carlos Negron, who's a former Olympic boxer from Puerto Rico, from 2008 he hasn't fought in 18 months he recently signed with king Kong promotions with the company that's also managing luis ortiz and and for those of you who have been following uh, my social media and some of the articles i posted on twitter i spoke with carlos negron recently uh, first to get kind of his thoughts on the fight uh, funny enough he I, I was speaking to him Right as the press conference for the December 22nd PBC card was happening, he was not in New York. He was uh, funny. He was coming back from Miami training. He was in Puerto Rico for a few days. He's now in Miami training. And I did manage to catch up with Carlos Negron. We had a very, very lengthy, but very fun interview, about 25 minutes long. There will be articles on that coming to Fightful soon. Uh, Hopefully, we hopefully will post the audio of the full interview. It is in Spanish, so I will try to see if I can maybe put some captions or some subtitles on it for those of you who don't understand Spanish. They can at least follow along. Uh, Carlos Negron, he hasn't fought in 18 months. He only has one good victory, which was the, the stoppage win over Derek Rossi in the summer 2017, which, by the way, it's not a bad fight. It's not a bad win. But when you compare it to Dominic Brazil's resume, when he's fought the uh, when he's fought better competition, he's fought Anthony Joshua in 2016. He, he is coming off a win over Eric Molina, who really, if you stack Eric Molina with anybody that Carlos Negron has faced, 
Mark Molina would would win fairly comfortably on all of them, except maybe Derek Rossi, but I still pick Harry Molina to beat Derek Rossi. This is a very, very tough fight for Carlos Negron. Now, speaking to him, he looked comfortable. He looked very confident that he could beat Carlos Negron. And I think he really honestly believes that he can beat him. And he's tailor-made to to big Dominic Brazil. Dominic Brazil, he hasn't fought in a year, so he's also got to deal with more or less the same ring rust Carlos Negron has to face. And if Carlos Negron beats Dominic Brazil, that completely shatters the WBC heavyweight title conversation because Brazil was actually the mandatory challenger, and this is not really being called a title eliminator. But if Carlos Negron wins, how can you really call Dominic Brazil the mandatory challenger anymore when he lost? Now, all these fights, one way or another, I think all these fights are going to end fairly quickly and dominant fashion by, I think, D- Dominic Brazil, Jermall, and Jermall Charlo. I don't know. I'm Carlos Negron, simply because of the mystery factor, maybe he can pull up the upset. There is that. I, I certainly give Carlos Negron a better chance of beating Dominic Brazil than Tony Harrison beating Jermell Charlo or Willie Monroe Jr. beating uh, Jermall Charlo. So hopefully this ends up being an interest, a good fun card with some fun, exciting knockouts. Now, some people may ask, why are we not getting the big fight? Why are we getting these mismatches? Well, you got to start. Well, you got to think the long game. And the long game is that you want to build up to a Jared Hurd and Jermell Charlo unification fight, which would be simply phenomenal. And Jermell and Jared Hurd is set to fight on December 1st. Uh, this was announced a couple of days ago by Jared Hurd. He will fight Jason Wellborn on the undercard of that Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury pay-per-view card. Now, here's the thing. And, and, this, and for those of you in pro wrestling who've watched pro wrestling, you can certainly attest to this. When you have a new guy, and when you have, or when you have a star that not a people, not a lot of people have seen, you showcasing in front of the masses. Lots of times they want to put them up with guys who the promoters feel comfortable that their guy is going to come out not just on top but also win in impressive fashion. Jamal and Jamel Charlo are certainly guys that can look really good in knocking out almost any opponent put in front of them. When you have guys like them, the first time out, you, and again, this is what I think what Fox, uh, Fox and BBC are thinking. This is not, you know, hard fact, but when you match those, uh, the Charles twins against the likes of William Monroe and Tony Harrison, those are the type of fights in which, they are made to look good. They are they are expected to knock them out and knock them out in an impressive fashion. And when you get the masses out and when you look at are trying to promote to a mainstream audience, ask yourself this: What when you're watching Sports Center or you're watching the 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 Fox Sports One's uh, highlight package show? What attracts you more? Is it the competitive fight? Is it the 36 minutes of war between two great fighters? 
Or is there just one person or, or is it one guy scoring a tremendous knockout? It's one that you, you're going to be coming to your coworkers on a Monday. Water cooler talk. Hey, did you see that Jamal Charlo knockout? Hey, did you see Jamal Charlo just knock the socks off Tony Harrison? I think that's what PBC is trying to get. Those knockout wins, those easy matches. So that when those guys get elevated to bigger and better fights, specifically with Jermel Charlo, the Jared Hurd unification fight, which I hope happens summer, late spring 2019, it's going to be a bigger fight because the people are excited. They want to see the knockout. And then when you have the big fights, that's when you get the the super competitive uh, legacy-defining fights. This first time out, it's really just an introduction to the Charlo Twins because the Charlo Twins have, n- have never main evented a show like this. They they haven't. They've always been relegated to opening fights, undercard fights on the TV portions, a lot of these Showtime and PBC cards. But now they're being put in a bigger spotlight. And you don't want to run the risk of them looking pretty bad or potentially losing their the fight. You want to make them look good. You want to make them bigger stars. You want to draw higher ratings. This is not a race. This is a marathon. And while I would certainly love to see Jermall Charlo fight Triple G, while I would have loved to see Jermall Charlo fight Jared Hurd, now is not the time and place. You have plenty of time and plenty of open dates to get the big fights for the Charlo Twins. And for Dominic Brazil too, if he emerges victorious against Carlos Negron, you can still build up to a Deontay Wilder-Dominic Brazil fight late 2019, early 2020. That's certainly feasible. But now, it's really a matter of introducing these guys to mainstream audience, to a non-boxing-affiliated audience. And if what PBC is planning works out in their favor, then we're going to see a bunch of great new stars in the sport. And that, again, that's what PBC is hoping for. Again, leave a con- leave. If you have questions you want me to answer during the show, uh, leave it in the live chat down below. And I will certainly answer any and all questions at the end of the show. So I mentioned earlier at the at the top of the hour that we are getting the that we are recapping a busy weekend of fights. There were mainly two boxing uh, two boxing cards uh, this past weekend. First one was an HBO card, uh, one of the last ones we might ever see uh, HBO do. Uh, they went to Madison Square Garden, uh, world title triple header, Daniel Jacobs, Sergey Derevianchenko for the IBF middleweight title. Alberto Machado versus Juan Dale Evans for the WBA Super Featherweight title, and Heather Hardy versus Shelly Vincent for the WBO Women's Featherweight title. I have mixed feelings about this card. Let's start with the top of the card. Let's start. Uh, let's start with the top of the card. Dan Jacobs versus Sergey Derevianchenko. Jacobs beat Sergey by split decision, 115-112, 115-112, both in favor of Jacobs, and then 113-114 in favor of Derevianchenko. Jacobs is now the IBF champion. He's the two-time world champion at 160 pounds. This was a fun fight. I loved this fight. I thought this was one of the better middleweight fights 
of the year. I would not put this above Canelo Triple G2, but it was certainly right up there. It was one of those, I guess, if you're, if you, if I were to rate this like a like a Dave Meltzer from from the Wrestling Observer newsletter for those of you who get the reference, I would make I would give this a four star match out of five. Fun fight, very competitive fight. Those two, I wouldn't say they have a rivalry against each other, but they have been sparring partners for years. The story goes, they they spar for 300 plus rounds. They know each other extremely well. They're both hard-hitting middleweights. Both of them with, I don't want to say the last chance at a at a world title, but with Derry Van Jacob, this was his first chance. And for Jacobs, he knows that he has to win to get the Triple G fights, to get the Canelo Alvarez fights, to get the Demetrius Andrade fights. So both guys had a war. But in the end, Jacobs came out on top. Jacobs fought, you know, outboxed Derevianchenko, who was very strong, very aggressive in certain parts of the fight. Jacobs did manage to knock down Derevianchenko in the first round, so that certainly helped put things in Jacobs' favor. So Jacobs is the new IBF champion. He joins Demetrius Andrade, who is the WBO middleweight champion. He joined and Canelo Alvarez, who is the WBA super champion and the WBC champion, as well as Rob Brandt, who is the WBA regular middleweight champion. Co-made event, Alberto Machado versus Juandale Evans. Boy, Alberto Machado knocked the socks off Juandale Evans. As I mentioned earlier, if you, you may, this may not have been a competitive fight, but you got the next best thing. You got the highlight real knockout that you want. That's the, those are the types of fights that, tur- that turn play uh boxers into stars and Alberto Machado certainly look like a star he's got the tools he's he's Puerto Rican so the New York market already loves him because New York has a very large Puerto Rican uh fan uh populace Alberto Machado is a guy that knocks people out won the title by knocking on Jesse Corrales and he's a guy that you know, physically he He's so difficult to prepare with. He's he's my height. He's five foot. T- I think he's classified as five foot ten. I don't believe that because I'm five foot ten, five foot ten and a half, and I think Machado's taller than me. I could be wrong. I never stood next to next to Machado, but I think he's slightly taller than me. And he's fighting at one hundred thirty pounds. And he's and not only that, he's a guy that is still knocking out people left and right and. And those are the type of fights that you look and think, oh man, I want to see Alberto Machado fight, fight other people, fight some of the other bigger stars, fight Miguel Burchell, fight Gervonta Davis, which is certainly doable next year. Right now, Alberto Machado doesn't really have a home. He's with Cotto. He's being promoted by Miguel Cotto, who kind of has a working relationship with Golden Boy Promotions, who is signed to the zone. So maybe we'll see Alberto Machado fight on the zone. In 2019, that is that remains to be seen. Machado knocked out Evans after knocking him down three times already. The third one, ooh, knocked him out flat on his back. The fight should have been stopped after the second knockdown because when Evans got back up, he he got back up, but he wasn't really up. He was he was wobbly. 
His eyes were all over the place. He wasn't responding well to the referee's count or the referee's instruction. They should have stopped the fight at the second knock after the second knockdown. And people criticized the referee for for it. So what what to do? But Better Machado continued the fight and he ended the fight right there. Really, really fun guy to watch at 130 pounds. And now there's a lot of really fun guys to to watch at 130 pounds. So Machado is, I don't want to say he's under the radar, but he's fighting in a loaded division. And if he can get a unification fight against whomever, against Burchell Davis or Tevin Farmer, any of those fights would be so much fun to watch. I am looking forward to what Machado can bring next year. And then you got the opening fight. Heather Hardy versus Shelly Vincent, a rematch from their spectacular 2016 fight in New York that ha- that Hardy won by a majority decision. Hardy again wins, this time by unanimous decision, to pick up the vacant WBO women's featherweight title. This fight was televised on HBO, which HBO does not do women's boxing, but this is the second time ever they air a live women's boxing fight on the network. Now, I don't know... I have several critic I have several points of criticism for HBO when it comes to this fight and when it comes to women's boxing in general. When you I don't know if they changed this for any replays whatsoever, but during the live airing, they were saying they were just the production was so bad in terms of presenting these women as as legit, well, I'm not. I don't want to say legit boxer because I think that's. I don't think that's what HBO did, but they were not being treated as well as the male fighters. Here's why: during the broadcast, they were talking about how both women were, I believe, victims of assault, and then, and then there were points. There was a. I guess little biographical graphic about Shelly Vincent. And the very first thing, the very first thing that you see at the top, not it, not not her record, not her notable fights, not what she's won in terms of titles, what her amateur record was, how long she's been fighting. None of that. It was how many times she got arrested. That is so incredibly tone deaf. And I could not believe, I, I sincerely doubt HBO would ever do that for a male fighter. It was blatantly disgusting. And HBO, they just don't care about women's boxing. They really don't. When you look at the first time they air a women's boxing fight, Cecilia Briggs versus Kelly Hayes back in May 5th. It was the opening fight to the Triple G Vanis Martirosian card. If you remember, you actually watched that fight. These, I, I think it was Jim Lampley or Max Holman, one of them. They said that when they were watching, they, they were in New York the week prior, they saw the Katie Taylor fight and they didn't realize that women's boxing had two-minute rounds. I don't understand how those two veterans of the sport, for as much as I praise them and how much, how much of a fan of both of those guys, I don't see, I don't know how you could possibly be in the sport for so long and not even realize that. And not just that. Do you straight up say on the air that you didn't know women's boxing had two-minute rounds? 
That was so bad. I just couldn't believe that they would actually do that. And now when you have these this incredibly tone-deaf graphics about how how many times they've been arrested, it would just shows HBO doesn't really care a lot about women's boxing. Let's remember, Heather Hardy versus Shelly Vincent, this fight was never supposed to be on the HBO broadcast. It took a big effort from Heather Hardy, almost to the point of begging Peter Nelson to get this fight on the network. And he, and bless Lou DeBella, because he... he Tries, he tried so hard to get the Amanda Serranos and the Heather Hardys of the world to get them as much exposure as possible. He was going to say, he, he was already saying, listen, we already have a contingency plan if HBO refuses to air this fight. We're going to stream it and we want people to watch women's boxing because women's boxing is a great thing for the sport. It's not something that you should limit exposure. These women deserve to be given as equal as much equal treatment to the men as possible they should be getting paid like the men and if you remember you go back to that may 5th fight between cecilia breakers and kali race that fight was also never supposed to happen that fight was never planned to be on hbo television they were planning to have the opening fight be uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, but Gonzalez was not able to get to the U.S. in time. So they were. So HBO was like, "Well, damn, we don't have we don't have any other notable fights. Oh wait, we have the undisputed women's champion. Oh well, might as well put her in here. Who knows, man? Whatever." So the way HBO treats women's boxing and how some people. And, grant, and granted, it's in a very, very, very small minority. It's applauding HBO for giving women a chance. Let's remember, Showtime's been doing this a lot longer than HBO when it comes to women's boxing. NBC Sports, they've, they aired the, Heather Hart, the first fight between Heather Hardy and Shelly Vincent. Other networks have had no problem showing women's boxing. ESPN's been showing more women's boxing as of late because now they have actually... A promotional company to actually show women's boxing. So HBO, these are one of the things I am not going to miss when they leave boxing next year. Is the fact that they so blatantly do not treat the women with as much respect with uh, compared to the men. And again. I've been a fan of HBO boxing for years. That's how I got into the sport. I grew up watching Jim Blatley and, and Roy Jones Jr. and Larry Merchant and, and George Foreman on, on commentary. All those guys. I love watching them. They were the reason I got into boxing when I was only two. But now, you know, it's kind of... Well, excuse me? Oof. I was about I thought I was about to sneeze, kind of had it a little going. But yeah, HBO, you know, sorry to say, but you shouldn't do women's boxing because you don't give women's boxing the the fair amount of respect that they deserve. You just don't. You don't treat it like Showtime does it. And even then, I have my own personal qualms with Showtime because they honestly should have put the Amanda Serrano fight on that Sean Porter versus Danny Garcia telecast. I don't care that they were streaming it on for free. They should have done it on the main card. You should have had that because you would have reached out wider audience 
that way. But hey, such as life, I really do hope that Heather Hardy gets opportunities to fight on television. I do applaud the boxing media for giving Hardy and Shelly Vincent as much press as possible. I think that this was the type of fight that should be given the press that it got. Maybe it, it deserved more. I think this fight deserved as much promotion as the Daniel Jacobs versus Sergei Derevianchenko. That's my honest opinion. So that's my recap for the HBO boxing card, loaded card, triple header world, uh, full of world title fights. But that's not the only world title fights that took place on last Saturday. World Boxing Super Series. Once again, uh, fourth week of the second season uh, we had, we went to New Orleans. Regis Progress defeats Terry Flanagan by unanimous decision. I'm talking why unanimous decision to retain the interim WBC junior welterweight title and advance to the World Boxing Super Series semifinals. And then you have on the bantamweight side, you had, actually, no, my mistake. They also had another junior welterweight fight. Ivan Baranchek absolutely decimating Anthony Yigit to win the vacant IBF title and advance to the junior welterweight semifinals. Ivan Baranchek will... Look, uh, certainly now the dark horse to win this whole tournament. Ivan Bronchik, boy, did he look fantastic in this fight. Ivan Bronchik, who was supposed to fight Mikey Garcia for the IBF title when Mikey won that title back in March, but that fight never happened because Mikey Garcia decided to go back to lightweight to unify the WBC and IBF titles. Ivan Baranchek. Good Lord. If this is the first time you see Ivan Baranchek fight, man, I, I, I'm sure you were impressed by the sheer power. This man carries for being 140 pounds. And he looks and physically, he looks like a chiseled Adonis at 140 pounds. He, Absolutely, to say that he beat Anthony Yigit to a pulp would be an understatement because he turned Anthony Yigit's left eye into a literal pulp. It, I, I look it up. Look, look it up on, on Twitter. The original photo of Anthony Yigit right after he got stopped in the seventh round, or I wouldn't say he got stopped. They stopped the fight. Referee and the ringside doctor stopped the fight after the seventh round because it was looking so grotesque. That left eye. Let me put it this way. Uh, let's say it was the size of a golf ball. And I'm not talking. Uh, it was literally a golf ball. It was a purple golf ball that was that encompassed the left eye of Anthony Yigit. Thankfully, Anthony Yigit is not. It, it, it didn't suffer any residual damage on the left eye. There's no, no detached cornea, uh, detached retinas, or any severe damage. It was about the best news as possible. And if you look at how his eye is looking now, so much better than than it was back on Saturday. So Anthony Yigit, uh, he looked, he did his best. He tried his hardest to beat Ivan Boronchik. The game plan that he carried was that he wanted to go deep into the fight and kind of want to tire out Ivan Baranchik. But the problem was, in order to tire out Ivan Baranchik, you're going to have to land some punches. And Anthony Yigit, 
he had his shots. He landed some clean, clean shots to Ivan Bronchik. But then, here's the thing. The fight then eventually became a, a series of exchanges between Bronchik and Yigid. And when you have that happening, Bronchik is going to come out on top 10 times out of 10 against Yigid. And it pretty much did. He, you know, Yigid managed to stun Bronchik a couple of times throughout the fight, but he didn't really hurt Bronchik. At no point was he ever hurt. Yigid, on the other hand, just kept taking those right, straight rights to the left eye, and there was no, you know, even though there was no real damage to the left eye outside of some horrible swelling, you, in good conscience, you couldn't continue that fight. Not at all. He, he like, his eye was completely shut. He, he was only seeing out of one eye, so in reality, you couldn't continue that fight in good conscience. So now Ivan Bronchek, I believe, is now fighting the winner of the Josh Taylor versus Ryan Martin fight this Saturday. And that's going to be a very, very interesting fight because you got two contenders, rising contenders, who have not really competed at the world stage yet. Maybe Paul, maybe Josh Taylor with that win over Victor Postal earlier this year. but And now you have Riga's Progress, who absolutely decimated Terry Flanagan. Resounding victory, unanimous decision. Not much to say, except Riga's Progress is probably the most complete fighter, 140 pounds, or at least def- definitively in this tournament, and should be the favorite to win it all. Riga's Progress such... He moves so, so well in the ring. His upper body movement is slick. He knows how to dodge punches. He knows how to move around the ring. And usually when, when, when we compliment people on their, on their ability to move around the ring, it's usually with the footwork, and Regas Progress does have that. But he also knows how to constantly move, shift his body to be able to minimize the damage of punches being thrown at him. He knows how to dodge. He knows the ring almost as well as his backhand. Terry Flanagan, while he certainly has done well for his career, there's a former world champion, 130, uh, 135 pounds. His career is now a mystery. We don't know what's next for him. Terry Flanagan now lost, he's lost his last two fights. His first two losses in his pro career both of them at 130, 140 pounds. So really, we won't know what what's left for Terry Flanagan. Is he going to remain 140 pounds? Is he going to drop back to 135 pounds? But, you know, the problem is with the title scene, with how 135, 140 pounds is set up right now in terms of their world title situations, there's... There's nothing for Terry Flanagan in terms of getting receiving a title shot. There really isn't. Maybe Jose Ramirez, the WBC middle uh, junior welterweight champion, maybe. But even then, I don't see Terry Flanagan winning that fight either. If he can't beat Regas Progress or Maurice Zucker, I just don't see it. So now Riga, so now Regas Progress will fight Kyle Relic, and what could potentially be the fight of the tournament, or at the very least, the most competitive fight of the tournament. And that's going to take place in early 2019. We don't know when, but you know, look, but stay tuned because that's going to be a really fun fight. I do recommend watching this card, this World Boxing Super Series card, because the Ivan Baranchek versus Anthony Yigid fight was fun, had a was action packed, 
And if you don't mind the 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 horrible looking left eye of Anthony Yigit, you're gonna have a lot of fun watching that fight. Riga's progress, you're gonna be you, you tune into Riga's progress, and you're gonna be a fan of how he moves around the ring, how he's so slick, how he manages to land combinations so effortlessly on Terry Flanagan. So I recommend that. I, I recommend watching this this boxing card. And speaking of the World Boxing Super Series, we'll close this show off with a little quick preview of the World Boxing Super Series card in Glasgow, Scotland. This Saturday, uh, main event is going to be Ryan Burnett versus Nonito Donaire for the WBA Super version of the Bantamweight title, not the Super Bantamweight title. That's something completely different. And then you got in the co-main event, Josh Taylor versus Ryan Martin. Now, these are the last two Bantamweight and junior welterweight fights, respectively. So, so that so this rounds out the first round, the quarterfinals for both of those tournaments next Saturday. Nonito Donaire, the big question: Is he going to adjust well to dropping back to 118 pounds? He hasn't fought there since I believe 2012. He's been fighting at 122 and 126 in the last few years, hasn't really looked that impressive losing to Carl Frampton and Jesse Magdaleno. Fun fights, but, you know, Nonito Donaire is clearly not at that level. Now he's dropping back to 118 pounds. Now, some there were some rumors that Donito Donaire was going to drop, is going to drop out of the fight because he can't make 118. Uh, I'm just here to say that's not true at all. Those rumors are not true at all. Uh, you know, I spoke to Richard Schaefer a couple of months back, who is known as the Donaire promoter, and he said, hey, you know, 118, that's something Nonito Donaire has told me he can easily make. He can make that even when he was at 126 pounds, so that won't be an issue for him. Uh, Nonito Donaire, I think he could be the darker for this tournament. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Nonito Donaire because of his last few performances, and you can read it on Fightful.com, my interviews with... Richard Schaefer and he gives a rundown why he why he thinks Nonito Donaire can win and why because Ryan Burnett is certainly underestimating him because of those last couple of fights that he's had, especially the Carl Frampton fight. Nonito Donaire is coming in the much bigger fight, the much bigger boxer, the more experienced fighter. He's been at the world title level for years and years and years. Donaire's a future Hall of Famer in my opinion. Ryan Burnett, he's got the 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 title wins over Lee Haskins and and Zanaz Zak uh, uh I'm gonna butcher his name I apologize Zakira uh I'm just gonna say Zanat because I completely don't want to mispronounce his name but but the but his resume is nowhere near Nonito Donaire and Donaire still looks good if he looks good at 126 and 122 pounds good not great. Imagine how he is when he at a more natural weight, which is 118. And I think this will be a really, really fun and exciting fight. But I don't think Nonito Donaire is going to win. I think Burnett's going to edge Burnett just a little bit more. So we'll see how it goes. The other fight, Taylor versus Martin. Taylor, far, far more polished prospect than Ryan Martin at this point in his career. Marcus certainly surprised people, but when you look at Josh Taylor's win over Victor Postal, Taylor looks tailor-made, excuse the pun, to fight for a world title. Honestly, as much as I think Ryan Martin is a fantastic prospect, he's still not at that level yet. 
So I think now, so I think my prediction for that is Josh Taylor wins late stoppage. So that about wraps it up for the for this edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast. Go ahead and hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We have on our new MMA and boxing channel. We're trying to get as much as much subscribers as possible for our for this Saturday's UFC post show. UFC M- MSG Derek Lewis versus Daniel Cormier for the UFC heavyweight title. Fun, fun fight. I bit of an interesting fight considering both men literally just fought not that long ago, especially Derek Lewis, who who is who just fought three weeks ago. So that's gonna be a very, very weird main event. But I hope that it's going to be a funny main event. If both guys were healthy at a hundred percent, I would have been all over this main event, but hey, I will still tune in to the Fightful MMA podcast featuring Sean Ross Sab, James Lynch, and Showdown Joe Ferraro to talk UFC 230. Hope you guys tune in to that podcast and all of our Fightful coverage, whether it's the post-Raw and SmackDown shows, post-wrestling pay-per-view shows. We're going to have a post-show of WWE Crown Jewel tomorrow. Sean Ross Sab's going to be all over that. And then we have, as I mentioned, UFC 230. You, we have constant interviews, videos from the extraordinary James Lynch here on FIFA MMA Unboxing. So I hope you guys tune in. Hope you like what we see and what we provide. The content that we have is bar none compared to all the other combat sports websites out there. Tune into FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulBoxing.com, and FightfulBoxing.com. For this edition of the Fightful Boxing Podcast, Carl Storer, lead boxing reporter, signing out.